Well, tonight we, it's our uh, very uh, uh, dubitable honor to have a very indistinguished guest with us tonight to be able to, to share with us. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> well, we really appreciate your, your ministry with us, Ron, and, and uh, look forward to what you have to say tonight. We, we close at 6.30. Did we tell you that? Just want you to watch it. We go on to about 7.15 or so. If you get, if you guys worked up, we'll stay till 7.30. So come on up. What a team you have here, huh? Actually, I don't know if you realize it or not. Steve and I are very, very close friends. There isn't a thing I wouldn't do for him. There isn't a thing he wouldn't do for me. That's how we get along so well together. We just go around doing nothing for each other. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. We are friends, pure and simple. I'm pure. <laughs> uh, we have fun, don't we? <laughs> I really do want to thank you for a delightful time. I just rejoice in all that God is doing here in the midst of this church, but around the world as well. It's exciting to be here. And as I said this morning, please don't take it for granted. Just thank God continually for a vibrant life church like this. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to my heart. So I go all revved up for another week of classes. I wish that you would pray for us. Uh, we need prayer down at Dallas too, Dallas Seminary, and pray especially for us. I always tell folks, if you can't remember any other way, just pray for the blues on Monday. That'll help us. We have great Mondays. The rest of the week goes to pot, but Mondays are great. But I wish you would. I wish you'd pray for us. Let's pray right now. Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity again, the joy that is ours of being together, the fun that it is to sing praise to you. And I thank you for touching our hearts with this song that David just sung to us. There's so many in the world that are looking for an answer and they're looking for someone to tell them. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be alert. And guide us in that endeavor. And right now we would pray that these minutes may be very meaningful to us. We acknowledge again our human limitations. We ask that you might work in our midst for your glory. Teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to uh, have you give me a little hand here tonight. Uh, this is an informal setting, and I really like that. I wish that we could neighbor nudge a little. You like that, huh? <laughs> it's so informal, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but uh, I'd like for us to neighbor nudge, and what I'd like for us to do, no more than three in a group, is to tackle a very difficult question. It's a big one. The question is this. Why are we here? Not why are we here tonight, that might be a good one too. No, why do we exist as Christians in the world? By the way, I'm sure you heard of the, the preacher down in Texas that started a message with that very question. He had a captive audience that was a mental institution. And before this vast group, he started out, Why are we here? I see. Why are we here? Guy jumped in the back and says, I guess it's because we're not all there. <laughs> but that's, that's not the answer. <laughs> that's not it. 
No, let's work on this one. This is very important. I think you could brainstorm and think of as many reasons as you can, as you can in just two minutes. That's all I'll give you. Two minutes of time. Think of all the reasons you can think of why we exist as Christians in the world. Okay? Why does God have us here? Go to it. You have two minutes to come up with some ideas. Go to it. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, stop. <laughs> That's it. Okay, let's see what answers we have here. Why do we exist in this world? Hold it. Wait a minute. Here we go. Okay, let's find some reason. Why do we exist? Give me some ideas. Why do we exist as Christians? Okay, to spread the gospel. These things are really great. They don't write, but that's good. Spread the gospel. Okay, good reason. Others. To glorify God, if you really know the catechism, and enjoy Him forever, right? <laughs> glorify God, a very important reason. Very good. Others. To what? To build up. Okay, good. Build up the body. Or we could call that edification. Okay, good. Edification. Other reasons. Okay, we are here as an example for others, both in the body and out of the body. Okay, we are here to set an example. All right, other ideas. Okay, we are here to worship Him, to return His love. All right, we're here to disciple others, part of that edification process. Is that it? <laughs> Okay, not only return His love, but also reflect His love. This is part of the worship process. Reflect His love. By the way, how do you worship God? How do you praise the Lord? We are a cook on that one. You know, we can say that. Praise the Lord. And some people, that's all you ever hear. You say, you know, what do you mean by that? Just, just praise the Lord. Yeah, but what do you mean? Not this. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Whatever that means. No. Well, how do we praise the Lord? Here, you've got it. Review His attributes. That's praising God. And review His work. What has He done? That's how you praise the Lord. Think about who He is, what He's done. Great. Okay, other ideas. We're here to worship, to glorify Him in that way. Other? Plan? Okay, participate in His plan. In His plan. You sound like a seminary student. <laughs> Plan for the ages, according to the pre-tribulational, premillennial, dispensational system of truth. Yeah, I know. That's great. You've got it. Okay, good. Uh-huh. That's good. That's true, though. We're here to participate in His plan. By the way, this is a key text right over here. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart, but get it in the right order. As you read that, make sure we get that right. It isn't. He gives us the desires of our heart. Whatever we want, it's what God wants. No. Delight thyself in the Lord. That's what you're talking about. Participate in His plan. And sure enough, He'll give us the desires of our heart because that's His delight. That neat? Great text. Okay. You're getting me off see here. Let's have a few more. Let's get some, some more. Yes. Okay, we restrain evil. I don't think many people realize what a restraining force we are 
as salt of the earth, penetrating society. We restrain evil because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And everyone, by the way, who has been born again has the Holy Spirit. We've got to get that straight. The problem today many times is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which means control, not baptism of the Spirit. That isn't what we need. It's the filling. Yes, we had a couple more here. Yes, sir. Oh, great. A royal priesthood. Isn't that a beautiful title? And we could go on with those. Okay, excellent. Yes. All right, there's a good one. To know God. Not only to glorify Him, the best way to glorify Him is know Him. Can we come up with a dozen? Give me one more. Yes. Okay. Experience His grace. And we could go on. We could go on all night. Probably. If we work at it, we could keep right on. Now, just for a second, though, let me interact with you. As you look over the list, what will we be able to do better in glory? Anything on there we're going to do better when we get to heaven? Glorify God, know God, now we know in part that we're going to know in full. So we can glorify God better in heaven, right? Alright. Any other? Return His love better, part of our glorification, reflecting on His love, we will know Him, we will really know God, we will experience the fullness of His grace and glory. We experience it now, much greater then. Any other thing? We worship Him better. How about building up the body? Edification. It will be... Well, <laughs> did you hear that? We'll have our bodies built up. <laughs> You've got it. With a good Texan accent. I like that. That sounded great there. I like it. Have our bodies built up. That's great. I love it. That's right. We'll be perfect. Perfect. Oh, I can hardly wait. I hope you're anxious for that day, by the way. And it's not to get out of the exams here and get out of all the stuff here. It's to be with Him. Boy, oh boy. Now, what on this list can we not do better in glory? The discipling. But even more important, the witness to the lost. Gone through this whole exercise for us to recognize that we are here for all of these reasons. That's true. But all of those things contribute to one major overriding principle. And that is this. We are the witness to the world. We worship God, that's a witness to the world. The fact that we're here this afternoon, this evening, is a witness to the world. They see you taken off to church, they think you must be out of your mind to come over here and get stuffed in and look at the back of people's necks over here. And your blue bump is gum. What in the world has got into you? But they also recognize, you know, those people are different. Can you imagine that? We are a witness to the world. That is mission. That's why we're here. Otherwise, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's be with the Lord. So we are here. We're left here for that major purpose. Now tonight, very quickly, I'd like for us to look again at Romans. If you'll take your Bible, and I'd like to see how we work together in this process. And this is probably the most logical a uh, passage I have ever seen in the Word of God really to tell how it all works together. It's Romans chapter 10. Jump over to Romans 10. I've tried in our time together, just picking passages out of this uh, delightful little missionary letter, 
uh, in our three sessions to take a look at the world, how this church can influence the world. And I started on our banquet night, our supper last night, and our concern for the world. We ought to have the same type of concern that Paul had for the world. And, uh, he is eager to preach the good news. He is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's be like Paul in that sense. And I tried to help you in a simple way that I used to proclaim that. And the proclamation is just pass it on. That's all it is. And then this morning, I tried to stress our comprehension of a lost world and our contact with that world. That's part of our task too. And you find that, that the people out there are indeed lost. And unless someone is sent by God to reach them, God will let them go, and they will be lost. God's given the revelation necessary, but not enough yet for salvation, and that's our responsibility. Now you say, how are we going to get this job done? Tonight I'd like to talk to you about our communication to that world. And I'd like for us to look at chapter 10. We're going to go down uh, through verse 15, 1 through 15, very quickly, just sort of an outline for him, and then... Uh, with the time that is left, I would like to just share a little bit about how the Lord worked through some of this for us in Spain, just to see how it works, and then maybe you'd like to ask some questions or have some comments at the end. We'll quit right at 6.30. What time does this service really end? <laughs> 7 o'clock we're shooting for. We'll see if we get there. Okay, here we go. Chapter 10, verse 1, God's Word. Here's what he writes. Brethren, my heart's desire, Paul writes, and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. See Paul's heartbeat in this? You know, of course, the sweep of the book of Romans. I trust you do. You go three chapters, sin. Here's a simple outline. One, two, three. Think in terms of three and you'll have all of Romans. One, two, three, sin. Now you have to cheat a little bit going three, four, five. You have to pick up on three because in the middle, verse between 20 and 21, it divides. But think, one, two, three, sin. Three, four, five, salvation. Six, seven, eight, sanctification. We're set apart to God. Not only saved, we're also set apart growing in God. Six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, and eleven, I call it sovereignty. God is in control. And he's talking about the nation Israel. Past, chapter nine, present, ten, future, eleven. Then twelve and following are service to the Lord. And you know 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, therefore, after I've seen all of this, let's give ourselves to God. That's the point. But we're right in the middle of this passage now where God is sovereign. He is directing the course of events. Paul's writing about his Jewish friends, those that don't know the Lord. And he says, I would long that they would know Christ, that they would have salvation. Now, what's the problem? Let's take, first of all, we're going to look at the problem, then the solution. Here's the problem. Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. One of the first problems we all see among people of the world who need our witness is this. They don't realize they're lost. You notice that? When you talk to people, isn't that the problem you face? It's not that they're rejecting Christ, they just have no idea that they have any need for Christ. Isn't that true? Isn't that what you find? You're talking to anybody, that's what you'll find. And I see in this great problem around the world, the great need is right here. Number one, they have a zeal without knowledge. We saw it in Spain. They're the most religious people in the world. Did you know that? They're wonderful, wonderful people. Those dear folks in Spain are sold out. 
to their church. But they don't have the knowledge. And I found the greatest need that we had was to unravel all of that, all of that confusion that had been built up around the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they had zeal. Or we could put it this way, there is such a thing as activity without advance. You notice that? And we're in it, friends. We're, I talked about this this morning, this busy, busy, busy. I call that racetrack Christianity. We've got it. Here we go, another lap. Of course, we're going in circles, but it sure looks good. Around another lap. Here we go again. Busy, busy activity without advance. We don't want that. God says that's not the answer. Second problem, verse 3. For not knowing about God's righteousness, they seek to establish their own. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Do you know there's such a thing as religion without righteousness? Do you see that in the world? Yes. Again, I'll show you in Spain. Religion, they had it up to here. Righteousness wasn't there. Seeking to establish their own. He goes on with that theme here in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That doesn't mean it's the end of the law. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it. What we could not do. Verse 5. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks thus. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So, thirdly, in the problem, looking at the problem, thirdly, there is such a thing as goodness without godliness. Let's not cut the world down, by the way, in the matter of goodness. There are a lot of good people in the world. I think we ought to be rejoicing. And sometimes I think that is the restraining force of a Christian on society, people see that and they say, you know, I ought to imitate that. That's good, whatever that is. They're good people. But the problem right here is it's not godliness. It's a manufactured goodness. Let me just pause for a second and go back to my system. Remember I say I ask people questions in love. The formula, F-O-R-M-U-L-A, use love always. Let me give an example of a lady down in Houston that was in, this, in these very problems. Went to this church, I was to speak in the morning service, and uh, the guy who picked me up at the airport uh, somehow slipped off, and I couldn't find him. I was going to go to a Sunday school class, but lost him. So I saw the nursery, and I said, man, that's a fun place to go for a little while. These other classes are probably a little over my head anyway, so I slipped into the nursery and started having a great time with those little kids. I love those nurseries. I think they're more fun than us. And by the way, this church has a little production going on too. I've noticed they're doing well here. You better build nurseries on every side of this thing the way it's going. But uh, I had a great time. But I started talking to the lady that was in there and discovered, I'm asking about her family. She uh, had several children scattered around. And her occupation, she was hired by the church to come there and help in the nursery. And I sensed as we talked, she probably spoke in Spanish, so I said, Habla Espanol? She said, yeah. I said, you speak Spanish? Boy, we took off in Spanish. Had a great time. Religious background, she's from San Antonio. And of course, Roman Catholic, obviously. Then I get down to the message. And one thing I didn't say last night, I would like to say tonight is, here's the key. Let them evangelize you first. Very simple. Don't, we, we're always jamming the medicine down their throats before they feel any need for it. My approach is let them evangelize you first. So I said to her, I said, say, 
What would you say to me if I am desirous of finding out how to be right with God? What do you think a person has to do to be right with God? She said, oh, you have to be very good. Well, I said, how, how good do you have to be? Oh, she said, you, you have to be real good, real good. Yeah, but how do I know when I'm good enough, you know? What, how, how far do I have to go? Well, you, uh, she said, you just, um, you just have to be real, real good, real good. And when I said, how do I know when I'm there? Kin Savi, she said, who knows? <laughs> she had evangelized me, she flunked. That's my turn. That's the way I look at it. Now I get it. <laughs> I say, you know, I used to think the way you did, that it depended on me. And if I were good enough to offset the bad, I might make it. The Bible doesn't say that. And I explained the gospel to her. And we had some interruptions, some diapers that had to be changed and all these things. But it was really fun. It was amazing how God worked. In the process of our conversation at that very moment, she had a little baby. She was in a rocker and rocking this little baby. And I said to her, I know you'll never believe this, but it's true that you could right now put your trust in Jesus Christ. I said, would you like to do that? She said, see, sí, yes. And she bowed her head and took off and prayed one of the sweetest prayers of trust in Jesus Christ. That lady was good, but lost. That's the point of this passage. That's the problem. The solution. Here it is. Oh, this is beautiful. What a message we have, brother. What a message. Wow. This is beautiful. Look what it says. Verse 8. Don't tell us you have to ascend or descend or work around and, and strive to find Christ. Look at verse 8. What does the Bible say? He goes back to the Old Testament. The Word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the Word of faith, which we are preaching. That if we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that beautiful? so simple. Here's what I see. Three things about the solution. Number one, it's availability. It's readily available. It's right here. And people are going all over the place trying to find it. It's so readily available. Second thing, it's simplicity. What does Christ require of us? He reaches out to us, I see in verse 8. What does He require of us? Verse 9. It's so clear, it's amazing. So simple. Here's the simplicity. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's all you have to do. Believe, confess. Believe in your heart. That's what counts. Confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. For with a heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, not just religion, righteousness. And with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And to whom is it offered? Third thing about this. It's availability, it's simplicity, look at this. It's universality. For whom is it? What does it say? For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And don't miss this, this very missionary point, verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, the two major civilizations of that time. For all, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him, for whoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, it's a beautiful text. Whoever. 
You're never too low to come to Christ. You're never too high to come to Christ. He's available. It's a simple message. And it's for everyone who wants to respond. Uh, I'm going to get into the Spain situation in a minute, but just let me show you about one real quickly. And then we'll move on to the whole plan and Believe it or not, we will end on time. Boy, you're a great group to put up with me around here. You really are. You are fantastic. Let me tell you about one in Spain. Here we are at supper. This is a little later when the church is getting going, but here we were at supper. And Doña Juana called us. One of the ladies, one of our newcomers in the church. She said, Don Ronaldo. That's what they call me in Spanish. How's that for a name? Don Ronaldo. She said, Mariano's over here in my apartment. You know, the one we've been praying for. The one with marital problems. Oh, I said, yeah. Well, could you come and talk to him? I said, sure. And by the way, eat late in Spain. Supper's about 9.30 to 10 at night. Great, isn't it? You don't sleep either. <laughs> After that, it's, well, well, aside from that, here we are at supper. I pushed the dessert back, got in the car. It was about 9.30, almost 10 at that time, at night. Got in the car, went by the, the house of Raimundo Galan, one of our new believers. Great big guy. Wish you were here tonight. Man, Raimundo is one great big old man. My bodyguard. So I said, hey, Raimundo, I think we have some work to do. Can you come? Sure, sure. So off we go. Came to this apartment, Doña Juana's apartment. Here was Mariano. He had his coat turned up. Don't believe all that sunny Spain stuff. We're up in the mountains. It snows. It's cold. It's December. He's pacing back and forth with his coat turned up. A nervous wreck. We start walking. He says, my wife's going to leave me tomorrow. I didn't know what to do. I went over and talked to the priest. And he got me down in front of a crucifix. And then he left me. And finally I decided I can't take this. And I got in the car, came over here, and I thought maybe Doña Juana would have the answer. See the testimony of the life? That's witness. I thought maybe she'd have an answer. Look, he said, my wife's been messing around with other men. I can't prove all of it, but I have pretty good indications. And on and on he went. Your old Raimundo said, oh, momento, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I used to do that. Excuse myself. Blame everybody else. No, he said... Usted es un pecador. You're a sinner. You know, I had learned God loves you, has a wonderful plan for you. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> that was exactly what he needed. He began to bat his eyes. We sat down and we talked. Asked some penetrating questions. It was a mess. The more he talked, the darker the picture got. He had been out with other women at his wife's suggestion. It was horrible. And finally we said to him, look at Mariano. There are no easy solutions. And please, friends, let's not tell people there are easy solutions when they're not. There aren't. Complicated situation? It's a complicated solution. But we did say we know where you need to start. What you need is a new life. And you can only get that in Jesus Christ. We explained the gospel. It must and tried to answer all those questions. It must have been about one o'clock in the morning. I finally said, What about it, Maniano? You ready to put your trust in Christ? He said, see, I'd, I'd like to do this. Yeah. I said, uh, well, I don't know how you pray. Sometimes I pray standing, sometimes kneeling, sometimes seated. He said, we usually kneel. I said, good. So we knelt down. And I was kneeling next to Mariano. I said, Mariano, you know how to pray? Pray? No. He said, I know how to say prayers. <laughs> I said, well, maybe this will help you. I'll say a sentence. And if you can say it from your heart before God, in honesty, then repeat it. But if you can't, please remain silent. And I'll know by your silence you can't say it. He said, yes, yeah, good. So I started. 
I said, oh, yo, he repeated, oh, God. He said, reconozco que soy un pecador. I realize that I'm a sinner. He repeated that, and then went right on. That's as far as I went. He started to cry and says, oh, God, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. He wept like a baby. And that man's life was transformed. Isn't that exciting? That's the simple message of Jesus Christ. Now, how are we going to get this job done? You say, you're sitting here and say, you know, what part do I have in this? I'm not next to Mariano. I'm sitting here in Boise. And I'm sort of huddled into this whole community church. Where do I fit in all this? And that's what follows. What is the process? How are we going to get this job done? And friends, we are all included in this. Every one of us. To reach guys like Mariano. Would you like to see how it works? This is beautiful. What follows here? Verse 14. Now, he just said, whoever will call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, our goal is that. Let's see if we can sort of outline this quickly. If I can get this thing going. Someday I'll get a pulpit back on this for blue. Just struggle around with all this. Let's say here is, here's a guy like Mariano. We want to reach that individual, right? That's our goal. And our goal over here is conversion. We want him to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. We want him to accept Jesus Christ, to have that new life. That's our goal. How are we going to get there? Now, the message is simple. The process is just a little bit more complicated. It really is. Let's take a look at it. Let's start moving, as Paul does, step by step, back from that goal. Okay? Let's see what it is. Number one, he says, How shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? I see two steps in this. One, we say the call... Or we could say that this is his confession. We just read that with the confession of the mouth, but behind that confession of the mouth, in the case of Mariano, we saw it, there was a commitment of the heart. So there's two steps that are very important. With the mouth confession, I do believe that there should be an open confession. I don't believe in hidden Christians. I don't think that's true. I don't see how you can really hide it. If you really have come to know Jesus Christ, somehow you have to express that to somebody. You can't just hide in a corner all your life. So I believe that there's that moment where there is a confession, but it comes out of the heart. That's when it comes back to the commitment. So the call is preceded by a commitment of the heart to Jesus Christ. It's trust in Jesus Christ that counts. I've got to stop for a second on this one too. Look out for those that say, I have my trust in Christ. I thought I had to figure it out in Spain. You don't say believe in Jesus Christ. Everybody believes in Spain. Everybody does. They're not dogs. They believe in Christ, of course. You don't say receive Jesus Christ with a Roman Catholic, by the way, because they do that every Mass. We receive Christ every Mass. So I thought I had to figure it out. Trust Jesus Christ. Confiar in Spanish. In our men's Bible study, said, Pepe, you have to trust Jesus Christ. He said, but, but I trust Christ. And I was stuck. I didn't know what to tell him. The same guy, Raimundo Galan, that I told you about, was standing next to me. He caught it. He picked up a glass off the table and he says, Sure, you trust Jesus Christ. Up to here, you trust Jesus Christ. Then you on devotion to the Holy Mother, attendance of Mass, and all your goods works? No. Toda la confianza en Cristo. He said, All of your trust in Christ. And then he, that's the key. All of your trust in Christ. That's what it's talking about here. Commitment. Okay. But how is that going to happen? Read on. Uh, how shall they believe now in him whom they have not heard? There has to be another set of comprehension. 
They have to understand the Gospel. And that's our job. That takes work. That's our job. To get them to understand it. But there's one that goes beyond that. That's our job. How shall they hear without a preacher? Can you read all that stuff I'm putting up here? Sort of a mess, isn't it? Don't answer that question. I said this thing doesn't write. Communication. Here we go. Uh, communication is necessary. At Dallas, we have artists, by the way, that draw all this stuff up, and I don't have anything. We're shooting for this with a sloppy mess. This is a blueism. Communication. That's our, but now, here's where we come to all of us sitting here. Look at this, please. This is very important. Verse 15. How shall they preach unless they are sent? We have to have what we can call from the church. This is where the church gets involved. All of us in the church. What we have chosen to call a commissioning service. Sending. Here's what missions is. Missions, the word in Latin means to send. And listen, we are all involved in that. We dare not lose sight of the start of this whole process to reach the world. It's sending. And if we don't send, the conversion doesn't take place out there. It's just that important. Now I said I want to just touch on Spain and show how this worked, and that's what I'm going to do, and I want to give quick ideas of what you can do, and then I realize our time's going to be up and you're going to be mad at me, but that's all right. Let's do this. Just for a second. Let me just give one idea. People sent us. You know that? Folks sent us from my little home church in Iowa. Got another one of those? Let's take a look at Spain for a second if you got one. Uh, people from Iowa sent us. People gave sacrificially, which I trust you're doing, not just out of surplus, but getting involved in the process. Uh, let's take a quick look at Spain. You may have some questions when I just give a quick review. Let's take a look. Here it is. Pyrenees Mountains. Isn't that a nice drawing? Portugal. Here's Madrid. Three and a half million people. Okay. Here's what we did. We had a three-phase program just to see how God might get the job done to get a church started. Show you how simple the Lord works. Number one. We had testing of the soil. Test the soil. What we did in this, we had a one-night gospel film showing in four cities around Old Castile. We were working with Spanish brethren. And in the four cities, we had one question. Would the people come to the gospel film showing? What would their reaction be? And most important, what would the authorities say one week after it was over? In this town of, of uh, Alcala de Henares, we had more people outside of this theater than we had in. Couldn't get them in. Positive reaction. But the theater owner, one week after, when we went to see him, said, Oh, what you guys have gotten me into. He says, they're ready to crucify me here. I've been over to the bishop's office three times. I've been to the governor's office twice. They're ready to shoot me. He said, by the way, anytime you guys want to come back, you come back. <laughs> Test the soil. Then you plant the seed. Isn't this simple? Plant the seed. We found the spot was Segovia. There was a liberal bishop, an open governor. I could go on for hours of all the things that indicated, but this was the spot, Segovia. So we focus on Segovia. Had a one-week campaign. Three nights of gospel film, two nights of preaching. Spaniards preached. Juan Gili Cardona. We saw that happen. And then uh, had a, a women's matinee on Saturday, a children's rally on Sunday morning. We didn't give an invitation. Don't do that. Secret police are there. Family members are there. You can get them into all sorts of problems. What we did was had a card. You could indicate, I'd like to receive a correspondence course, evangelical book, or a New Testament. Just on the card. They give those to the ushers as they went out or sent it in. 
And then I followed through on the men. By the way, this turned the city upside down. Really did. Can I tell you one quick little story? Second night of the campaign, gospel film showing. We had worked hard on, on advertising. But that night we had a problem. There were a whole bunch of girls from the same high school. A whole bunch down in this part. The third balcony, there were another bunch of them. They were with me. You could tell those girls were up. And sure enough, in the middle of the beginning of that film, they were ready. And I had already talked to the theater owner. I said, you know, I think those girls are going to do something. And I said, I think we better have some police here in uniform. And he knows some English. And this is what he said, literally. He said, that's right. In the police state, we get the police. <laughs> he got them. And they arrived just shortly before the girls jumped up and started shouting, Somos Católica, Somos Católica, Fuera los Protestantes. We're Catholic out with the Protestants. We thanked the girls for coming, and the police ushered them out. <laughs> and they continued a manifestation in the main plot. That could have been the end of our campaign. Did you know that? Now, people were praying. See the way this works? People back in places like this. But over there, what happened? We thought, man, this could be the end. We have to preserve the peace that was... In the permission from the governor, we hadn't. Could have been in. You know what happened? Governor didn't say a word. The next day, on the front page of the newspaper, plot, there it was. <laughs> Big picture, the whole story. The parents of these girls began to come around and say, what is this anyway? We apologize for what our, what our girls did, but what is this? Well, come right in. <laughs> and the Lord turned the city upside down. I'm going too long. Okay, here we go. Third step, and this is the important one, and that is to reap the harvest. What I did, very simply, with the men that indicated that decision on the card, they'd like to receive something, I took it to their apartment and delivered it to them. And I suggested a men's Bible study. The ladies went to the ladies. I went to the men. And I talked to them. I said, how would it be if a group of us men would get together and study the Bible? Sounds like a good idea. What would be the best night now, they told me. We set it for that Thursday. I went back and talked to all those men. I said, it looks like there's interest. Let's try it this Thursday. Thirteen men jammed into our little apartment living room to study the Bible. We studied Psalm 139. What is God like? Had a great time. But at the end of the hour, I said, sorry, time's up. What do you think, men? You want to have another one of these or should we stop here? Ay, hombre, adelante. They said they loved it. Went on for five more weeks and I concluded, what do you think happened? You get in the five weeks, five more weeks in the Word every week. You get. What? Okay, they began to bring friends because they loved it so much. They'd never opened the Bible like that before. They brought the friends. Anything else happen? Hey, somebody's got the picture of this. Some of them got saved. That's right. And through them, their wives, families, Six of them signed a document that goes to the federal government asking for permission from the Department of Justice to start a non-Roman Catholic church. And permission was granted. And today there's a church in Segovia. Isn't that simple? Doesn't it sound simple? But I'll tell you what made it happen. People were sending. I would like to... Uh, and Oh, boy, I tell you. Our time is up. Can I give you... Four quick ideas that you could do. Don't feel pressured. Dave's not pressured. Everybody else is. But I... 
Okay, let's let's try this in ten more minutes. We'll we'll give some time for questions, and I think you may have some questions. But I would like to encourage you to do some things that you haven't thought of to do for your missionaries. Could I do that? W O R K, another little device. Things you could do. Number one, write. How many of you know addresses of your missionaries? Come on, be honest. How many of you got them down? Some of you do. A lot of you don't. Can I give a quick suggestion? This will do wonders to your missionaries. You want to get involved with them? Here's the way to do it. Go to the post office and buy these things. Aerograms. 22 cents. They go anywhere in the world. 22 cents. That's what they cost yesterday. I don't know what they'll cost tomorrow. But you just write a quick note. Here's my suggestion. This is what I do. I buy a bunch of these at a time at the post office. And I have a batch of them available. And during... Uh, the announcements, or even during a very dull message. No, I wouldn't suggest that. Just any time that's available, jot a quick note, see? And it doesn't have to be long. Don't make it long. Just say, hey, we're thinking of you. Service is going on. Pastor's preaching a great sermon. I wish you were here. We're praying for you. That's all you need. Put their address on. It's ready to go. And now let me tell you, that does wonder to your missionary. You have no idea what a letter like that can do. Just those few lines. Right. Oh, observe. If you have an opportunity, get out there and be with them. Just see what God's doing. Get involved. Run down to Mexico. Get out to some Indian reservation. Some place where God is working and get a feel. Observe. R. Read. Read. Some of the good mission biographies that are coming up. Mission stories. Mission books. If you haven't read some of the classics, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Read it. Great book. It'll revolutionize your life. And finally, here's the big one, and I quit with this one. And you ask questions and comments, and we'll quit at 10 after. Kneel. Kneel. Pray. The greatest need in the world right now is for people to honestly pray. Do you believe that? That really is. It's so easy to do everything else and not pray. Okay, you ask some questions, comments, and uh, we will. We'll be fair to you. Got some questions or comments you'd like to ask? Hey, got one right here ready to go. Yes. Witnessing to Mormons. <laughs> yes, I have one big tip. Patience. The same thing you find in the Roman Catholic Church. People who are religious, Good. They're wonderful people. Please, don't cut them down. They're wonderful people. Zeal, they've got it. But lack of knowledge. How are they going to get it? It takes time. I think the best method of evangelism today is uh, Bible study. I think that's the best. If you can get together and be honest and open with each other and dig into the Word of God, eventually God will begin to work. That's my only suggestion. By the way, I have found out, I found out in Dallas, Texas from Mormons the least effective method of evangelism. I saw these two guys going to the hospital, Baylor Hospital, and, uh, I slipped in between them and I said, uh, I'll bet you men are missionaries. That's right, how did you know? I said, by your uniform. <laughs> they had ties on. And they laughed. And I told them, I've been a missionary too. And of course they immediately thought I was another elder with the Mormon church. I said, no, but it wasn't with the Mormon church. Oh, well, then we got a little cooler on the process. But, Found out there are 52 missionaries in our so-called stake at Dallas, Texas, right around our seminary. 52 missionaries they've got out there. And I asked them, I said, I 
He was a leading elder. I said, I know you keep good statistics. What is the most effective method of evangelism that you have found? He said, could I tell you the least effective? Well, yeah, I'd like to know that. He said, the least effective is door-to-door. I said, door-to-door? Why do you guys keep doing that? He said, well, it's not for the people behind the door. It's for the people knocking on the door. He said, they're second, third generation Mormon. After two years of that, we never lose. That's what he told me. <laughs> the most effective is family and friends. What I have chosen to call social web evangelism. Natural. Interesting. Okay. You ask a simple question, blues goes on for 32 hours. That's the way. Another good question. Very good question. Maybe we could talk some more afterwards. Good question. We're going to quit here in four minutes, so get them in quick. You have some? They're a great group. <laughs> you really are. Hope this was helpful tonight. See how God can work. One final question, comment? We pronounce the benediction? That's what we better do. Yes. Is blue your favorite color? Come to think of it, all but my hair is turning that direction. I think it's time for the benediction. No, I do want to thank you again for just a great day. Keep up the good work here. Whatever you do, just keep it up. Don't ever stop. Thank God for you. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the simplicity of your truth. Help me, help all of us to be able to convey that well to others. And I pray that you will receive all the glory and all the honor for what you accomplished through us. In Christ's name, amen.